0: Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, where I come to you every week from my studio in Dallas, Texas. I have a new friend of mine in the studio today. His name is Judge Graham. Happens to be local to Dallas, so he's in the studio. I always love being in the studio versus doing those Zoom calls. Yeah, absolutely. So you get to sign my booth today, man.
1: I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having
0: me on. Dude, I'm so glad we did. I mean, travel got in a way for both of us, but yep. we were able to put it together, so it's yeah. awesome. So Judge and I um, met... Uh, on social, but also through the mutual connection of our guys at Two Market Media, Hank and Steve, and um, you know I'm huge fans of those guys. They just helped you with your your first book, yep, um, which I want to get into because um, it's one of the biggest mistakes I made was not following the formula of your book. Scale with speed is the name of your new book. It is, yeah. And um, you know this concept of I want to be an entrepreneur and um, I want to do what everyone tells me I should do and be my own boss, is really um, what I have experienced is it's false. And the only way you can be a real entrepreneur is if you understand how to scale. And the only thing you should scale, I'm really interested in your your opinion of this, but I believe even if it's small and profitable, that's the only reason it should scale. Look, I had never had experience of scaling unprofitable, mm-hmm. right? Because there was never external money, there was never an Amazon capability for me. Right? It always had to be profitable, totally. right? But Judge has done it a couple times. How many business have you scaled and sold?
1: Um, I've I've scaled and sold uh, two.
0: Yeah, for yeah. for not small change.
1: Yeah, they're you know all multi million and in some cases hundreds of millions.
0: Mm-hmm. The last one. Uh, well, let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. So, your, <laughs> Judge, your expertise is in the digital space. Yep. And it's not just digital kind of like we think about, which is paid ads and search engine optimization. It's really the full scope of digital. It's, it's go into a business, and you were smart enough to not choose small businesses. You went for large businesses. I'm assuming you said that's where the money is. Let me go get some of it. Follow the money. Follow the money on <laughs> it. And and then what you did basically was you became, I'm summarizing, and you should be telling this story, because I may get it wrong and I don't want to do that for you, but you became the one-stop shop. You said, the problem in the marketplace is that we have multiple marketing and advertising companies doing these things, right. and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to centralize it, and then I'm going to ROI it. And once you guys see the ROI, you're going to say, Judge's company is the one I have to work with. Yeah,
1: it's exactly it. I mean, I think the way I looked at it was, if I can show a client you spend a dollar with us, I'm going to make you six. That's mm. where you win. Mm-hmm. You know, all these marketing and advertising agencies that are selling concepts or ideas and subjectivity lose. I was selling money, mm-hmm. right? I was saying, whether you're a Jiffy Lube or you're a Michael's Crafter, you ultimately want to sell something to a consumer, and I'm going to use digital marketing to show you a little one-to-one return on how we're going to do that and be profitable at it.
0: And so what made you even see that as an opportunity for you? How many years ago are we going back?
1: Uh, we're probably going close to 20 now. You know, 20 I, years back. Yeah, yeah, probably 18. So I started my first um, company in college and I almost didn't graduate um, from college. Because it was doing Taking, so well? It was doing doing well. Uh, but I ended up graduating, but it was in um, web design and development, and that company grew to thirty, forty people, over a million in revenue. You know, I'm a twenty, you know, five, twenty-six year old guy at this time. But what I learned, I failed. That company went under. And it the re- did. The reason it went under is I didn't understand the power of recurring revenue. And I talk about that in my book a lot, right? So recurring revenue is—is is how do you create pre- predictability in your business to forecast, scale, and compounding. Yeah, right. And I was just selling at the time web web websites, so web design and development. Yeah, you'd sell a project, it would. close. It was a
0: billable hour yeah. model,
1: and in every month it was as good lace up, and it was as good as you were to sell it again. Yeah. So I had to learn, and I went into digital media. Which then I could have retainers and ongoing recurring revenue, and I was selling. Give me a dollar, I'm going to make you six. Well, then all of a sudden I could have predictability. I had recurring revenue. I'd have annual contracts, and then all that started to compound. And then I started to appreciate and understand the ability to scale.
0: So what happened? What what, what happened that made the first one go? Somebody stopped selling.
1: Uh, we just got too big, right? I mean, I think it was. Is and I talk about it in my book some of the failures of. Um, and, and you've been here too before, is like when you take on a new lease or you build out, you take a line of credit and the business was growing, the infrastructure and the bodies to support the business were getting too big to, to keep keep up with the sales. The sales couldn't keep up. Yeah. The other thing I talk about a lot is um, niche will get you rich, so an inch wide and a mile deep. I kind of lost my way in my first business. Yeah. So, what would happen is you start chasing money. So, we were really good at web design and development. This
0: is before WordPress?
1: Yeah, before WordPress, it was custom websites. Yep. But clients would say, Oh, well, you're really good at that. Could you do PR for us? Well, could you make a logo for us? And I would say, Yes. Well, what would happen is you'd have to hire more people, different skill sets, and then you'd have to try to support those people with new revenue. And I got diversified. And I think anytime you get out of that niche, you start to lose.
0: Yeah, you and I are kindred spirits on that. I mean, I've said this many, many, many times, but commercial fleet primarily finances used equipment for great credit customers in four industries, trucking, towing, construction, and moving. And the only way that I have that clarity is because in the early days, we financed anyone Mm -hmm. buying anything of any size. And all that did was make us a generalist. And it reduced any ability to create meaning from a culture standpoint, create differentiation in the marketplace, and from a training standpoint, you had to train your people on all this diversity And then only a few could actually go into the marketplace and sell that diversity properly. And I just began to rethink it and rethink it and and look at the data and say, but wait a minute, our favorite customers, our best customers, the ones we make the most spread on by used equipment, and they have great freaking credit.
1: Totally.
0: And they're always truckers and towing guys and construction guys and moving guys. That's it, folks. And that was probably 15 years ago I made that decision, and it was absolutely the best decision we ever made. You call it inch-wide, mile-deep. Mile deep. I mean, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Well,
1: and I love what you said. You brought up something I, I talk about in the book, too, is you got to keep things simple, right? So when you're an inch-wide, a mile-deep, you just said it. all of my training, mm-hmm. all of my processes, all of the people that I hire is very specific, right? And so the faster we can keep things simple and uncomplicated, the more we can focus on revenue-generating activities. And you scale, and you can move fast. But when you overcomplicate things and you have these bloated processes and systems, you start to lose.
0: But isn't the fear that if I'm not a jack-of-all-trades, then I'm not throwing enough of a net out there and I can't catch all the different fish that I could be catching. In other words, when we're chasing revenue, we think the revenue has to come from all different places.
1: Yeah, look, Matt, you and I both know those guys and gals lose, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. I mean, you just can't, I mean, think about, and and I talk about how much has changed with the iPhone, how how much technology and how fast things are moving. We're really in a 24-7, 365 economy now. And marketplace, whether you're just selling this marker or you're doing financing for fleet, the market's gigantic, right? So don't ever think, you know, I, I caution people to say, well, I think this is too too narrow. I said, if you can be the leader in that yeah. and own the market in that. There's enough
0: share for it. There's everything. enough
1: share for <laughs> it. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't worry about it, yeah. you know.
0: I love how Hank says it. there's an audience for everything. Absolutely. You
1: know, you know so no matter what it is now, specifically now with technology in this global economy, you know, it could be anything and if you become the leader at it you're gonna win
0: i just think i just think for the audience they have to really understand what we're talking about you got two guys here who have had success and they're both telling you the same freaking advice totally inch wide mile deep mile deep Yep, find your niche own your niche, become the expert in it. Remember, experts get paid; amateurs get crushed. It is the way it plays out, and it's very difficult to be an expert in multiple different things. Right. So it's a big deal, and don't be afraid to pick because um, if you do your research and analysis, like I talk in, about, and you need more money, a lot of that risk and that fear goes away. But Absolutely. you got to do—you got to pull some numbers, man. You got to figure Absolutely. out. So you said. When the first business went down, by the way, what was that experience like when you said, okay, this thing's going under?
1: You know, I talk a lot about um, the phrase uh, burn the shubs, right? Commit and burn the shubs. You know, and and for me, it it was the lowest low. You know, when you're sitting there and, um, you know, just new wife, new marriage, Yeah, new baby boy coming on the way, mortgage, car payment, all these things. And and at that time, I said, I never want to feel this way again. This will not happen to me again. And I committed, and I burned the ships. I got alignment with my wife and my family, and I said, you know what? I could go take a job somewhere and figure this out, but we're going to commit and I'm going to take another swing at this but and did never you, look
0: back. Did you fall in the trap, though, where you, know, you, were, you, were, you stopped paying yourself to pay your employees? Absolutely. And, and before you knew it, whatever little money you'd squirreled away, you were burning through just to keep the place going. And I, I think it's important to talk about because there's two sides of this. But you know, at the end of the day, do you wish that you had continued paying all those employees out of your own pocket and not taking a check, or do you wish that you'd cut them?
1: Now, you know what? I think it's an, it's an experience. Like some of the stuff you have to learn and live through to appreciate it, right? So I wouldn't change anything in the past. Yeah. And, and I truly believe when you have a and I feel you're, you're the same way on this, Matt. I mean, there's an, this new level of responsibility that you have. You know, my people were like family, right? And so I always thought we could figure it out. And so I just did what we needed to do. And so in hindsight, um, I think I may have cut it a little sooner than I did, but, you know, I wouldn't change anything.
0: So my buddy, uh, Mark Moses, he runs a company called CEO uh, Coaching International, and he wrote a fantastic book called Make Big Happen. Mm-hmm. Really great book. And he talks about when you as the entrepreneur recognize that it's turned mm-hmm. and you're not sure that you can fix it, yeah. right? In other words, the, the revenue has dropped and yeah. the expenses continue. He says, you have to cut wide and you have to cut
1: deep. Totally.
0: And my experience is the truth, man. I burned through my personal net worth twice in this business, right? I gave it back twice. I gave it back in 01 and 02, and I gave it back in 08 and 09. And I vowed that I would never, ever do that again. And so you're right. It is part of the journey. I made the mistake twice. You've only made the mistake once, which is good. (laughs) <laughs> right, right, right. but I would suggest everybody get Mark Moses's book, Make Big happen and listen to what he says when you feel that tide turning, yeah. cut wide and cut deep.
1: yeah, I think it's important in business and and uh, I talk about this in the book too when it comes to and in, even investments and in systems. I mean, I remember spending you know over a hundred thousand dollars in this new enterprise kind of ERP system from our organization that was supposed to you know make things faster and revolutionize process and literally after, implementing that and spending another $15,000 to 20000 for implementation on it, within 30 days, things were just slow yeah. and crawling to a process. And back to what you said, your buddy's book, I freaking cut it, man. I didn't care that I spent $100,000. Yeah. I mean, you will learn in those moments that you may have thought it was a bad idea, but as an entrepreneur, you got to know when to cut bait. And I think that this book and speed, you have to understand if you're going to play at this level of fast and scale... When you make a bad decision, as long as you're making a decision and you pivot and learn from it quickly, you'll survive. Mm. If you hold on to it and mire in it, I, I invested in this, I did it, you lose.
0: Mm. So let's talk about the experience that triggered the book um, Scale with Speed because yeah. – because one of the examples you gave me earlier was pretty phenomenal. And, and uh, Just to paraphrase, I think you took a roughly north, slightly north of a $100 million business, and you turned it into a what size business? We
1: sold it. It was a group effort, right? We had a private equity company or whatever, but it sold it for you know, several hundreds of millions of dollars.
0: But you scaled it from what to what?
1: Yeah, from – a uh, hundred million to able to sell it for hundreds of millions of dollars within an eighteen month period.
0: Within eighteen months. Yeah, and let's go through the 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 process in which you have become an expert at understanding how that happens because you really believe that despite the fact that you were an expert in that digital space, you you can overlay scale with speed and the formula on almost any business. Is that, you agree with that? hundred percent. So let's go into the acronym because I didn't realize that speed is an acronym as part of your book. So let's go through it. Yeah,
1: so speed is the actual formula. So the S in speed is start with your end game. So, so many business owners or businesses, I'll sit down with them and understand like, what's the end game? Like, what are we trying to achieve here? And a lot of them, don't know? Are you trying to leave a legacy business? Yeah. Are you growing a business to continue a certain lifestyle and yep. cash flow? Or do you want to freaking grow a monster business and sell it? Yep. Well, knowing that decision and being steadfast helps you along the path to make the right decisions. right. So that's the S. It's all, how do you really understand where you are and, and come up with that?
0: And isn't that easier, though, Judge, for somebody to know that once they're starting to make a few bucks? Yeah, totally. It's I, harder in the beginning, right? It, it is, absolutely. You're like, dude, I just need this thing to pay more than what I was making in my other company. Yeah,
1: yeah, but it's still, I think, is equally as important whatever stage you're at. Agreed. So that's the S. And then the P is then, my favorite, is pick your niche.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, I really help people understand... How do you go an inch wide and a mile deep and i call bullshit on that so we go through a full exercise of really honing in market data research can you actually be the leader and and how do we get very specific in something yeah right and it, because i believe you can't have speed and you can't scale unless you're niche and then the next one is then now how do you actually execute with speed right so an example is is human beings, we're faced with 35,000 plus decisions a day. It's crazy, right? It's a big number. And I break down a formula of saying, you know, 98% of those, you know, do I want cream on my coffee? Should I brush my teeth? You know, those are instant decisions. And then I help people understand that there's this other 2% that you actually have to put some thought into, and here's the process of how you would do that, but you still need to make them quick. Mm. Because to execute with speed, and that's just one concept within speed, you know, as an entrepreneur, you have to make fast decisions or a business owner.
0: But, Judge, as I relate everything you're telling me back to our business, the biggest challenge that we have is finding more people. And in a good economy like we're in, I, I go so far as to say it's like a blissfully stupid good economy right now, mm-hmm. right? I mean, really, it's this if anyone thinks there are economic <laughs> headwinds, they are totally wrong, totally. right? Um, but even in a great economy, the bad employees are fairly well employed. Mm-hmm. So we have trouble just getting bodies, resumes, people. We know there's business out there. We mm-hmm. just can't get the manpower. So how do you scale a business when you need people?
1: So you know, part of that I would make that a you know, I, I talk about a one-page attack and conquer plan. So that one page attack and conquer plan isn't your business plan. It isn't a goal sheet. It is what are we wanting to do in that year? right? And what are those specific revenue targets that we want to hit, right? And one of those issues you'd put on there would be we can't get people fast enough, right? So I dive into that and understand who's owning this. How do we freaking do this? Do we need to build content around it? Do we need to be the become the, the leaders leader so people who are gravitating towards? us? Do we need a better culture? Do we need to hire three more recruiters? Right, really getting into the nuances of if that's the prohibitor to the goal, we're going to build a freaking inch wide, mile deep plan around that. And we're going to put massive action in order to solve that problem.
0: But what if I don't have the money? What if I'm like, like in my book, I call it having to take a step back to take two steps forward, right? Meaning the owner may have to literally not be paying himself a raise every yeah. year, or maybe even take a pay cut to be able to fuel it into manpower to go find it. So what if the company, they they know there's opportunity, but they're just not throwing off enough cash to hire right. really like-minded, great minds?
1: Yeah, so I think that that could be a bigger problem potentially, right? That you need to really look at the business and understand, you know, are there other areas- to cut yeah. or trim that fat reallocate. to the reallocate and invest. So, I mean, it's it's a game of chess, not checkers, right, as you know. So I think that's the advice I would give is really have some self-reflection. Mm-hmm. It's so tough to have self-reflection, especially in your business, right? You know in the back of your head that certain things probably aren't right and, and these certain individuals or things need to be cut to then reallocate and invest.
0: So You know, look, I think that that's a big thing you just said there because – Like, I knew that my lifestyle was at some point going to be so manageable that there was just going to be a tremendous amount of upside. In Mm -hmm. other words, I was never chasing the margin in my business to fuel my lifestyle. I knew that I would just, I'd get the house, we'd fix it up the way we want, and everybody would have a good car. and. There would be clothes in the thing, in the closet, food right? On the table, there'd be more than <laughs> enough food on the table, and all that sort of stuff. And then, once I had that down, right. then everything else was gravy, which oh. needed to be reinvested back into the business to fuel it mm-hmm. and to grow it. And I think a lot of people get a, a little bit caught off guard on that, right? Mm-hmm. They, the, the mortgage broker says you can afford the million dollar house, so you buy it, right? right. Uh, you need those core values, man, and that clarity of really, am I keeping up with the Joneses? Am I keeping up with my friends and my family and all that sort of stuff? Or am I really trying to build something meaningful? Yeah. So
1: you when know, we get back to that kindred spirits, which I love in your book, I mean, I am. I believe culture is the game changer. Right, so when I talk about that, the third E or the second E in the speed formula is energize your culture. Yeah, and I am I am such a believer in core values. Right, so the last company I had, we had four core values: we had curious, fearless, strategic, and creative. Right, and we hired against those clients, we fired people internally and hired them I- internally. Everything was around that core mm-hmm. because I truly believe when you empower your people, you have a great culture. When right? when people feel that they are empowered to make decisions and actually have purpose versus hitting a quota, it, it changes the momentum and the shift. But I believe core values, you have to live by and they have to be true, they have to be authentic if you want a monster business. And yeah. you have to have physical manifestations of them. So like when you walked into my office, I had a 12 foot incredible hulk that represented fearless, mm-hmm. right? And then we talked about what that means to be fearless for our clients, fearless for our people, and our actions were fearless to make mistakes, fearless to grow. Those things are really important. Mm-hmm. And without core values, you lose.
0: Yeah, man, you do. It's it's just one of those covenants. It's one of those must-haves. Great companies have great cultures. And I think culture is such a big word now. They do not have to be standardized, right? Right. Culture doesn't mean volunteer projects. Culture could mean cold call mania for everybody in the team, Amen. right? But but if you're if you don't have that clarity, and you're hiring a tree hugger, and your culture is you know step on throat, rip rip heart out, right? Um, no wonder you can't freaking scale.
1: Exactly. Right? Yeah.
0: Or conversely, yeah. right? It's the opposite. You're hiring these killers, and and you actually want. Um, you know, calmness and, and, you know, you want people to show up on Saturdays to, to, to clean parks and stuff like that. Dude, you yeah. got to know what you freaking stand for.
1: Amen. When it, shockingly, so many organizations don't, don't pay attention there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? I mean, you have to, you, an area to invest in is your culture. And like you, you said it, I mean, one bad individual in that culture, and your example, a tree hugger versus a killer the amount of lost revenue and momentum and scale and speed you lose by having the tree hugger. Yep. It's a problem. It's a problem. You know? And so I help come in and identify like, who do we want to be? And what's great about this formula is you start with that. In, it, it's, this is who you want to be. So the decisions start to happen. Totally.
0: Right. It starts with a visualization. Yeah. And, and the beautiful part is you can do it whether you're just getting going um, probably better and easier because it's very hard to change. Like we had to change. Totally. Yeah. Um, but you know, I can I can attest that getting back to mission statement and core values okay. was the greatest decision that we ever made here. You Okay. Oh, and then being absolutely relentless about it. We just had a, in in our office today, one of my one of my better sales guys had a blow up in the office last week. Right. Or I guess he came out of the office and he, he bitched at the entire operations department about a deal that was taking too long. And he was right because I got involved in that deal and we hammered that deal and we got it funded within 12 hours, right? Half a day and it was been sitting for three or four days. Um, but the way he handled it was so counter to the mm. culture that – we had to have a long sit down this morning with everyone involved and talk about it at length. And, and his response, which was so beautiful is yeah, but you know, I, uh, I crushed it. Right. I mean, I put so much uh, business into the system last week and I, and I said, I totally get you, man, but you caused so much damage. You did nine things right. And we only remember the one thing yeah, you did wrong. A great way. We don't do it like that anymore, bro. Yeah. We don't do it's it great. like that. People in this office do can never feel threatened. And he didn't even see it as he was being threatened. He thought it was just this is the way we're supposed to play the game.
1: Right.
0: And there's an element of that he's right. Yeah. But there's also an element that look, man, you can hold people to true expectations and you can push hard. Yeah. You just can't be a
1: dick. Totally. Yeah, I talk a lot about like I use the analogy of like think of like a Viking ship. All the Vikings are in rhythm and they're rowing. It's it's if you can have you know I call it this nirvana state in a business when people understand who you are, what you do, why you do it, and what the purpose of the company is, and they're clearly aligned on what they're supposed to do and how they'll be rewarded or, or what the consequences are, and and they know that what the purpose is of the company. And you get into a rhythm, a real rhythm. It's a magical moment in a company. Yeah, it is, you know, and in that, that is the intangible factor yeah. that most companies just don't get. But when you have it, it's nirvana. Yep. Yeah. You know, nothing can stop you. And it's it's it can be hard, but it can also be simple. You know, people want clarity. People want transparency. And good leaders like yourself give that.
0: Yeah, people want to be led, man.
1: They, they, they want to be led, and they yeah. want to understand. You know, if I do this, what happens? Either way. I think fundamentally as a society and is in business specifically, we dance around issues. We dance around clear expectations and communication. Yeah. And that causes um, what I call like fiefdoms, right? And, and it's interesting, the bigger companies I walk into... You know, if you have six, seven hundred people, a thousand people, you start having these subcultures form right. in these fiefdoms, right. and they're toxic. Yep. and you got to kill them. You got to get rid of them.
0: Yeah, it's a big deal because then when the big boss comes in and talks about the big culture, everybody leaves and goes back into their subcultures. Man, it's freaking disastrous. But dude, it doesn't have to be in a thousand-person company. It yeah, can be in you, a five-person, an eight-person, a ten-person company. I saw it. Here's the indication when you know it's happening: when you walk around the corner and two people are talking and they stop talking, mm-hmm. they're talking about you, buddy. Mm-hmm. That there, You are the topic of discussion of what a tool you are, what a jerk you are, Amen. what a phony you are, right? Right, yeah. When, when you walk around and people click that mouse, dude, they were on Facebook or yeah. on Amazon, <laughs> man. They weren't working for you, <laughs> right. right? Exactly. I mean, you have to be relentless to this cultural thing. I just I cannot stress it enough, and that's why I love you saying it so much because it is the missing uh, link. Yeah. It's, it's the thing that we put the least amount of energy on, most right. of us. And it is the greatest ROI. Right.
1: Well, look, I'll be clear. I, I'm a capitalist. Yeah, right? me too. When I walk into a company, I've said, you're hiring me because you want to make more money. You want to sell the company. You want to do something. So you got to own that. Are we in business to make money? If it's a for-profit company, yeah. let's talk about revenue. Yep. Right? And so the things that I try to implement, I talk about it. People, Everybody, I don't care if you're from the intern to Matt, 75% of our days should be spent on revenue-generating activities. <clears throat> Right? I mean, and if we're not focused there and aligned, I help bring structure to how do you really get somebody focused. Man, you talk about magical. If you can get everybody 75% on revenue-generating activities, you win.
0: Yeah. It's powerful. I mean, core value number one for us is company profits. Yeah. And and we have the tagline that says our creative spirit can't be fully realized without consistent profitability. We cannot do cool shit. We can't go to trade shows. We can't buy computers. We can't embrace technology. We can't have a podcast studio. We can't do anything yeah. without margin. And even this conscious capitalism thing—you know, the Whole Foods and the Container Store and all that sort of stuff—both of those guys, um, Kip Tindall and and John Mackey, will both admit blatantly admit that conscious capitalism doesn't exist without right. capitalism first. Yeah. <laughs> without money, you can't do yeah. anything cool.
1: Well, Matt, I mean, that's why you're winning. I mean, I, even, I love your book. I mean, you're educating the things pe- people don't like to talk about money. Yeah. Right. And you're educating people saying, hey, listen, you need freaking more money. You do need more money. You know, you need more money. And yeah. let's have a real conversation. Let's map out <laughs> yeah. your finances. Yeah. Right. And you need the same thing with the company. Right. We are here to make money. And if you have an issue with that, how do you think you're getting paid? Yeah. How do you think we're getting this cool shit? I mean, what I love, you just you're bringing in a boot camp. Yeah. Well, without profits, boot camp doesn't happen. You
0: bet. Right. Um, but you know, boot camp is an incredible ROI for us because, you know, the endorphins, the release, yes. the weight loss that people have, the better they feel, maybe they're knocking boots more at home. I don't know what's going on, but boot camp works around here. Yeah. And it's also a differentiator, and I don't want to be judgmental on culture, but our, our best employees are the ones that do the boot camp.
1: Yeah, no, I and I believe, getting back to this capitalist, I think your best investment, I don't care if you're a service business, you're selling widgets, Is your people. Mm-hmm. So um, in previous businesses, I've had treadmill desks, I've had yoga rooms, yeah. I've had everybody can bring their dogs, yep. You know different dress codes, Um, paternity leave, maternity leave. I mean, focus on your people. Yeah. And get them aligned, get them motivated and inspired, mm-hmm. and you win.
0: Yeah, I mean you it's do. really that simple. It's a big one. So let's go to the D. What's the D all about so in speed? D, so
1: just to recap, so you start with your end game, right? Pick your niche. Then you execute with speed. Then you energize the culture. And then the D is dominate your top priorities. Yeah. Right. So think about this is huge, man. This is this this is ten X, right? This is Grant's whole book. Is this this section? But I think the only difference is, is this in this formula through this one-page attack and conquer plan, we've really pinpointed those key four to six priorities, yeah. right? So when I come in an organization, I look at from a global view, we can't do more than these four to six. I clearly assign owners, accountabilities, milestones, and measurement success. And you break that into a 90-day, right, milestones, into to monthly, and a weekly, mm-hmm. and into daily, across the whole organization and then you're in rhythm brother you're rowing and you're freaking dominating those priorities.
0: So my buddy Coach Bird calls it the current of the urgent, right? And that's what most businesses run in, where we're just constantly in reactive mode to the urgency of, of right. the problems in the business. And the ability to remove yourself from that and begin to see it as a tactician that says all of that stuff is noise. I can Amen. only be effective. And you're you're saying four to six. Mm-hmm. You know, I think our experience in here is even less than that, yep. right? Um, in fact, I met with a billionaire one time. I, I've said this story before where um, he, he said, how many projects do you have going on in your office at one time? And I, and I wanted to say, I, I told him, I, I wanted to impress him. And I said, 50. And he, he just shook his hands and his head. And he goes, no, 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 no. He says, you know how many we have in this organization? I said, no. He says, at any given time, we have no more than one or two and I pour all resources right. into it and he says if we can accomplish that one or two things a week yeah. we do 52 to 104 That's a awesome. year and he says that changes the world uh, yeah you know
1: yeah and when I look at it it's really um there's four to six priorities against two things I want to increase revenue and margin top line revenue and margin increase yeah. right and then those four to six roll up into how do you get top line revenue and margin increase that's where you win. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's when you scale, is when you start, I mean, you know, when you get that EBITDA number yeah. growing, yeah. right, and top line, it's a, it's a fun
0: time. It is. It it, it really fuels the magic Everything. of the entrepreneurial experience.
1: Well, and what's great is, is uh, and we talked prior to this a lot about EQ versus IQ, yeah. right, and the intangibles, and I think that, There's this euphoric nirvana state when things are good and you're scaling and you've got speed and you've got this momentum, you've organically the culture just becomes awesome. Yeah. Right? People want to win. People want to grow. People want that
0: speed. Do we lose sight of that? I mean, we're we're putting up numbers, weekly funding numbers. That are so stupid right now that we didn't even think it was possible. I mean, really, if you were to annualize this, and I'm, 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 when I say 150, 160 million, we're actually tracking closer to 300 million dollars on some things, but, but we're doing it with a calmness that is weird, Mm -hmm. right? And. It's through the torch. Yeah. It's through culture. It's through yeah. structure. It's through efficiency. It's through streamline. It's through communication. And yet it's still weird for me, who for 18 of our 23 years thrived on the chaos. It's like you can't be busy if there isn't chaos. Yeah. And I go back to it that says that's not true. Right. In fact, you can absorb the busyness and move through it with efficiency and happiness yeah. and, and lower problems when there isn't the chaos.
1: Yeah, but you've done, you're in a niche, you got your team aligned, yeah. you're in we rhythm. Did yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did speed. So, I mean, so, yeah, yeah you, you're, you're feeling the benefits right. of, of that. But I know? could
0: have done it earlier. Yeah. I just, my challenge was I literally didn't have anyone teaching me this stuff. And even if they were teaching me, I was probably too thick-headed to even be the student. Yeah. And that was a problem that cost me a decade. Yeah. you know, I wasted a decade of my success because I didn't really understand right. that systems can work. It's why I bought into business finishing school. Sure. It's, it's, I believe in that process and that system so much yeah. that I bought half of the company and can't wait to grow that thing. I, I just know that it is such a massive problem in, in small business and even large business in America. And the beautiful part is that it'll never go away Yeah, because there's millions of businesses started every year.
1: Yeah, every second or so,
0: right? Yeah. Some of the It's good go. for you too. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, I'm excited. So what's the next what's next for you, Judge? I mean we got the book coming out. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Scale with speed. With speed. Be out. When when can somebody actually get their hands on it?
1: Let's Just to say safe, let's say 120 days. Okay. It's, I, it's in editing now, and it's yep. going to the publisher. Yep. Yeah, So 120 days. I think you can purchase it. I'm taking pre-orders now.
0: And they can follow you at JudgeGram.
1: JudgeGram.com yep. um, has all of my social handles. Most almost my social handles are Judge Graham. Gotcha. But uh, JudgeGram.com is the best resource. Okay, got and it. And I've got a bunch of free stuff I'm giving out. Like, mm. uh, I have this thing called the money sheet, mm. and the money sheet is your six to eight priorities to get you closer to hitting your monthly target and revenue and it has a whole formula it's kind of cool.
0: Cool, they download that off judgegram.com. Yeah, just go to the
1: resource section on there and it's a free download. Beautiful, dude. Yeah.
0: Look, I'm glad you came into the studio. Yeah, it's, it's great fun. talking to you. I really yeah. appreciate our talk before. Yeah. Um I hope you, you know, you got some strategies on the book um process. I mean, you know, a a book is um is a wonderful experience if you're enjoying the experience. And I think for guys like me and you and a lot of other guys, we look at it for the hard defined wins. Yeah. And in a, in in the book process, you have a lot of, sort of wins that are happening yep. that if you're looking for the win meaning book sales you're not even seeing the yeah, wins happen totally right so enjoy that process dude yeah, because it's been, it's been fun yeah cool and yeah. keep it going
1: yeah and I appreciate your support
0: on it you got I it big guy so I appreciate you the only one thing left to do man is sign my booth
1: let's sign it I'm ready
0: cool I'll see y'all down the road bye that's our episode this week with your host Matt Manero check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money your life and how you need more money